doing that. Whoa, there I am. You know that old joke, wherever I go, there I am. That was it. That was the whole joke. Wherever I go, there I am. And you can't escape yourself. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Ah, it is so glad. It is just so great to see each and every one of you. See one of my old friends, Chris, is here. It's so glad to see you, my brother, and, and so glad to see each and every one of you. I've got a couple of uh, quick announcements that I need to make because I want to give uh, our speaker today as much time for the Lord to just move through his word. Um, but uh, I want to let you know that Wednesday, the next two Wednesdays, we will not be meeting as we prepare to get everybody back to school and things like that. Um, however, even though we're not meeting this Wednesday, we want to support, and this is part of the reason, we want to support a local outreach or a local conference that's coming up, um, and you'll see it sometimes through the slides, uh, but we have flyers out at the uh, guest services desk and a poster there. It's going to be at New Life Assembly, which is in Hearst, uh, one of our Assembly God churches, and it's going to be a great, great conference. I want to really encourage you to go to Robert's Learden's session. Have you ever heard of the book called God's Generals? If you haven't, you need to go on Amazon today and buy it and find it and get it because it is a powerful story of the history of revival over the last 125 years or so. Um, but it, it's told in story form, and it's excellent. But Robert Slearden uh, is going to be here at this conference, and I'm so excited about that. So I want to make sure that you know about that. So the next two Wednesdays, no, um, no activities here except for worship practice. So worship, y'all, find Pastor Paxton, and he'll tell you all about it, all right? And then uh, there is uh, there was one more thing I know that I wanted to cover. Oh, yes, then on Wednesday the 28th, everybody say the 28th. So that's, that'll be two Wednesdays off, and then one Wednesday the 28th. We are going to have a family prayer night as we prepare ourselves for this coming school year and for what it, God is going to be doing in this next season. And then the next Wednesday on that, and the first Wednesday in September, we'll begin new classes. So Wednesday the 28th, I want to make sure you're here. Let's kick off this school year with the power of God. Amen? Amen. If you're, did you find Acts chapter 18? I want to give you a little taste. For those of you that are here Wednesday, you're going to hear a couple of familiar things. But those of you who are not, this is just a little bit of that study that we did on Wednesday night. Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 5 says, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue trying to persuade the Jews. Say every Sabbath. So this is Paul's second missionary journey, and as he makes his way to Corinth, which becomes a major, major thing for us as believers, because out of that, we get First and Second Corinthians. So it's very important what happens in Corinth. Also what happens in Corinth is this is now a town of about 200,000 people, which in our day, that would be probably about roughly the size of DFW if you were to adjust for population. So a very large port-side city that was a major player 
It also had a lot of junk there. How many of you know in Portside City sometimes you get a lot of junk because you got all these people coming with their ideas. And Paul goes and establishes himself there for the next year and a half to two years. But the point is here is that Paul was a tent maker at this time. Not all the time, but at this point, he had to become a tent maker. In other words, he divided his time between making money to live and to eat and preaching the gospel. According to verse 4, Paul preached the gospel and ministered the gospel only on Sabbath days. Only on what we would think of Sundays, he was doing on Saturdays in the synagogue. And that was the only day. The rest of the time, he was tent making. Now, go to verse 5. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. Right there, you see a change. Something happens. He goes from weekly to now exclusively, daily teaching and preaching, not just in the synagogue, but throughout the area. He begins to preach and teach and have home meetings and get together with people and have meetings all day long to preach the gospel. And we see as we, if we were to continue reading, what happens. So Silas and Timothy come, and they bring something with them to help Paul focus all of his time now on preaching, teaching, and advancing the kingdom. What was it that they brought? Well, if you turn over to Philippians chapter 4, you don't have to, but if you'd like to to test me and test the word here, that'd be great. If you go over to Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, Philippians 4, 13, it says, I can do everything... Through him who gives me strength. Remember, this is Paul speaking here. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, which if we'd gone to verse chapter 16 and 17 of Acts, that's where he had set out. Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. So what was it that Paul or that Silas and Timothy brought to Paul so that he could focus 100% on ministry? It was the offering of the Philippians. It was the offering of the Philippians. Because the Philippian church, even though they were a brand new church, brand new believers, recognized that they needed to invest in the gospel what others had invested in them. Let me say that again. They needed to invest in the gospel what others had invested in them. They knew others, Jerusalem specifically, and Antioch specifically, had invested to send Paul to to Philippi, and now they have a thriving church. They have come to Christ. They are heaven-bound, and they want to do the same for others along the way. So they send Paul their offering. Not their time, but their offering. Let me just tell you real quick what I see out of this. When we give, whether it is in our tithe or our offering or specifically to missions, we give out of obedience. How many of you say amen to that? Listen, if you're giving for any other reason other than obedience, you need to check your heart. And you need to say, God, what, why am I giving? It's obedience first. Everybody say obedience first. It's always obedience first. It's always obedience to God's word. It's always to follow his word. Then there are other reasons beyond that, and I'm fine with that. But obedience first. We give out of obedience. However, our obedience helps them to go. Who are them? Missionaries, ministers, 
prophets, evangelists, whoever they are. They, it helps them to go. Number two, it advances the gospel. As we send them, they're able to advance the gospel, which is clearly seen in the book of Acts. Paul was able to go, and when he didn't have that support, he had to stop, and he had to work full time. He had to tent make. And then he was able to go back once the gift came. So it provides the necessary, excuse me, number three, it provides the necessary resources for them to focus on the work of the kingdom instead of the work of money. Again, I taught all this on Wednesday. There's no problem with bivocational ministries or ministers. I have no problem with that at all. I believe that Paul, just in the passage we read, says, yes, it's okay to do that. But we don't want to do that all the time. Amen? We want missionaries not to be in whatever nation, you name it, Nicaragua, El Salvador, you name it, India, wherever, whatever country they're in. We don't want missionaries to have to go and work six days a week just so that they can preach on Sunday. Come on, somebody. Don't shout me down now, right now while I'm preaching. All right? Number four, number four, when we give, it allows us to proclaim his promises. You say, what promises? Look at verse 18 of Philippians 4. I have received full payment and even more. I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. They're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. How many of you love that last verse right there? Come on. That's one of the favorite verses of Western Christianity. And my God will supply. Come on, anybody in the house today. I mean, that'll preach all day long. I can, and my God, right? I mean, I mean, we can do an entire sermon on that one verse. But what's the background? Why was God supplying the needs of the Philippian church? Because they were obedient to sow into the work of God. Because of their obedience, God said, I'm going to supply all of your needs. Oh, man, I just, come on, somebody. I know I'm preaching to millennials, and I know I'm preaching to seniors, and I know I'm preaching to everybody in between. But what is, where is the work ethic here? Come on, somebody. If you've got an employee and they don't work, what do you say to them? Here's your big old fat check and a bonus to go with it. No, you don't. You say, I'm sorry. <laughs> you need to start working or you need to find another J-O-B, Right? With God, he's the one that originated it. I'm not saying, oh, you know me, so I'm going to move on. I'm saying as we sow, God provides. I believe it with all of my heart. He's shown it to me, not only through scripture, but he's shown it to me in daily living. My needs are met. Why? Because I believe and trust in his promises. As I've given to missions, as I've given to evangelists, as I've given into the work of the kingdom, as I give my tithe, I know God takes care of me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me for a moment? This is a little different. I want you to stand up. I want you to lift up your hands. And just like a good Jew, even though you're not, just like a good Jew coming into the synagogue or coming into the temple with your offering. You say, I don't have anything to give today, Pastor. It's okay. Have you given this week? Have you given this month? Whatever. Are you about to give? Then what I want you to do is lift that up to God and say, God, here's my offering to you. God, I give my offering to you. God, I give my tithes, my offerings. God, I'm faithful, Lord, and I thank you for that. You've provided for me. 
God, you have so supplied my needs over and over and over again. God, you've given me food. You've given me shelter. God, you've provided for my needs and even my wants. God, you've just gone above and beyond. You're such a good provider, God. God, and as I give today, I thank you that I'm able to partner with missionaries and partner with ministries and partner with this local church to get the gospel out. God, I thank you for that. And I also thank you, Lord, that you supply all of my needs, even the ones that I'm worried about. God, I throw that worry up to you right now, and I know you'll supply. God, I thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Now, let's do what God said, and let's give. Amen? Amen. Before I release, he's so ready. Before I release the minister of gospel today, that's going to be preaching today, I want to just encourage you that, um, that you just be praying for what God is about to do. I believe that the enemy is so sly, but he's stupid. Hello? He, I mean, he is. He was so stupid because he killed Jesus. He thought that that was going to be it. Amen? And, and he, he, he tries to distract. He tries to do all kinds of things in our lives, but we're not giving in. Amen? God is about to do something powerful in and through you, through your family, and through this place. Amen? I want you to give it up for Pastor Joe. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Mm, God is so good. Amen? Amen. I was praying, and I said, Lord, what do you want to do today? And he said, I want to restore hope. So just, just pray for that you'll receive hope through the words today, and that hope will be restored as we, as we talk and we dive into the Scripture Proverbs 13, 12 says, a hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And so we just pray for God's desires to be released in you and that you would just be full of that. Psalms 135 says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits for him. And in his word, I hope. Get in the word and the hope will be restored. If we get in the word and we wait in the Lord and we, we soak in his word, we're going to be restored in hope. And I believe that God is calling us to surrender all that we are to empty our hands so we can grab a hold of the hope that is in Jesus. If you have your Bible, if you open it up to Genesis 32 and verse 22, we're going to be there today. But before we get there, I want to just talk, uh, tell a couple quick stories um, that I'll never forget that when I was in high school and we went to youth camp, and at youth camp, I was just praying and going after God and just saying, Lord, what do you want to do in my life? What do you want to use me for at 14, 15 years old? And I'll never forget that God showed me a vision of a map. And on the map, I saw just Texas begin to burn. And the map zoomed out. And there were other places that began to burn in California and in Kansas and in up north in New York. I saw these different places begin to burn. And then I saw the whole map get on fire and become ablaze for the glory of God. And I said, Lord, have your way and do that. And I was reminded of that today because I believe that God is, is doing that and he's going to accelerate it. The time for the, the burning ones is going to be accelerated. I got the privilege of going to an 818, the 818 conference this past weekend. It was amazing, incredible. And, and one of the speakers there, had, they had a vision, and the vision was of a giant wave, a giant tsunami, like, coming in, but the, the wave was on fire. 
and there were surfers riding the waves, but only the surfers that were already on fire could ride the wave of fire that was coming in. And the ones that weren't on fire yet, they were getting scorched and burned by it because the, the wave was so hot that's coming in. And so God is calling forth the burning ones, the sons and daughters to be awakened. And for the, the Bible says the earth is groaning for the revealing of God's sons and daughters. And so I'm praying and believing that today you're going to walk out with a fresh revelation of what it means to be a son or a daughter. That, that you're going to get on meat. See, what is, what is milk? Milk is digested food by somebody else, right? It's the cow eats the grass, the milk is produced. The mom eats the food, the baby gets the milk. And it, if we're going to move to meat, then we've got to start praying and seeking the Lord and getting in the word and getting the revelation for ourselves if we're going to do it. And so I'm praying and believing God that my revelation that I've gotten on this so far is going to become your revelation today and you're going to receive it and, and walk in it in Jesus' name. So, yeah, God's setting his church on fire, and he's looking for the ones that will burn for him. So I have a couple questions for you today. What, is it, what does it look like to burn for the Lord? What will it take for God to get your full surrender? What will it take for you to give God your yes without conditions? And are you willing to wrestle with God for it? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much, and we thank you for all that you're doing in our hearts and in our lives right now. Father, speak to us. Have your way in this place. Use me as your mouthpiece and your oracle this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 32 and 22, and we're going to read all the way to verse 32. It says this. It says, the same night he arose and took his wives, two female servants and handmaids, and his 11 children, and passed over the ford of the Jabuk. And he took them and sent them over the stream and sent over that which he had. And Jacob was left alone. And there he wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he had prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was strained as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. And he said, I will not let you go except if you bless me. And he said unto him, that what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called Jacob no longer, but Israel, for you have wrestled with God and with man and have prevailed and have won. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, what is your name? And he said, what does it matter what my name is? And he blessed him right there. Wait, wait. And Jacob called the name of the place Pinel, for he sa said he, I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And the sun rose up upon him, and he passed over Pinel, and he limped on his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel eat not the suin of the hip, which is upon the hollow of the thigh, until this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh and the suin of the hip. So the angel there, uh, the, who he wrestled with, if you look in the cross-reference Bible, it'll give you a reference to Hebrews 13, too, that says... Um, if we, sometimes we entertain angels and we know, we know it not. We didn't know that we did. And it also references you back to Abraham. And Abraham meets these three people that come to his house and they make a covenant with him and they make a, he makes a meal for him. And it's believed that that's the angel of the Lord that appeared to him. So Jacob right here, which kind of jumping in the middle of his story, and we'll kind of get some backstory here in a minute, but, but he's coming out of 20 years of hard labor. Jacob, it's Abraham. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's one of the big three in the patriarch. If you don't know the story, he's, he's an amazing man of God. But at this moment in time, he'd forgotten it. 
He's been in, in hard labor and work for 20 years. He had to work seven years for his wife, Re- Re- or Rachel, and then was deceived and got Leah instead. And then he had to work another seven years. And then he worked six more years and raised up the flocks and the animals. And he was blessed by God, and he knew it. A couple of verses before this, in, in, chapter 30, or in chapter 31, it says that uh, Laban, his father-in-law, says to him, if I would have said, all the she- you get all the sheep that are uh, striped, that we would have started having striped sheep. If I would have said, you get all the sheep that are yellow, all the sheep would have turned yellow. If you get all the sheep that are green, all of them would have turned green. Like, whatever, whatever you get, your portion is, it's blessed. And God multiplies it and, and expands it. But all the while in that time, I think Jacob forgot something very, very important. He forgot that he was a son with an inheritance. He forgot that he was that he belonged to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He forgot that and, and let that blessing kind of flow off. I don't know if you remember or not, but Jacob fought his brother Esau from the time they were in the womb. He grabbed the heel of his brother, the Bible says, when they were coming out of the womb. And they named him Jacob because he was a wrestler. He was a fighter, and he was going to not take second place. And he was a clawer, and he would claw his way and do whatever was necessary to get what he wanted and what he needed. And he would even deceive, they called him the deceiver, and he deceived his father into receiving the inheritance that was due his brother Esau, even though his brother Esau traded it for a bowl of soup. So some wild stuff there with Jacob. But you look at, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I think it's interesting that Abraham, right, had Ishmael first out of sin and disobedience and impatience. But, but God, Isaac had Esau and Jacob. By, by God's grace, and it was Jacob who got the blessing and who would receive the blessing in the end, though he was the second son, though he wasn't supposed to get the inheritance. And it's like, whoa, okay, God, like the ones that's down and out, the one that's the deceiver gets the inheritance. How does that work? What does that look like? But Jacob was willing to fight for it. He was willing to wrestle for it. And then he had to be reminded who he was. He had to be reminded that he was a son with an inheritance from his father, not a slave, and not an orphan, even though he acted like it many times. And you look and you read the story of, of Rachel and Leah and Jacob in Laban's house, and the girls are fighting. They're like, he loves me more because I have more sons. No, he loves me more because I have more sons. And they're like trading days for him, and they're like trading food, and they're like fighting over who gets it, and they're clawing, and they're trying to get their way there, and they don't realize that it's God who opens the womb, that it's God who gives the grace, that it's God who does it, and they're sons and daughters, and all they have to do is receive the inheritance that's due them. But they forgot that, and they're fighting, and they're wrestling, and they're clawing, and they're uh, getting after it. And Jacob comes to this moment that he gets free of Laban, and they say their goodbyes, and now he's like, okay, now what? What am I going to do now? I've got to go back to my father's land. I've got to go receive the inheritance that's due me. And now he's mature and he's ready, or he thinks he is. And then this per- angel of the Lord shows up and wrestles with him and fights him and, and says, okay, you're going to, like, get it. But he can't, he can't beat him until he touches his hip, and he puts the hip out of socket, gives him a handicap, and then, boom, he's able to beat him. But I think during that wrestle, during that fight, I imagine the groaning and the, like, oh, and the, ah, and the, oh, you know, of it. And I think about how the earth, the Bible says that the earth is groaning for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. The earth is right now, I don't know if you know, like, watch the news or anything, but there's a lot going on. 
right? We've had a couple shootings in the last couple months. We've had a, a couple of this. The political spirit is rampant, trying to divide the church on the left half and the right half and the whatever. And there's so much with so many things going on. And the earth is groaning, saying, where are the sons and the daughters of God? Uh, 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 and they're striving, and they're, uh, uh, uh. And God's waiting for sons and daughters to sit and receive the inheritance that's due them and govern the people and govern the land and and release what's inside of them, the Holy Spirit that's inside of them to the area of influence that they're over, that they're in. So Jacob's having an identity crisis, and he needs some time alone with God, or some time alone. And by the grace of God, God shows up at this crossroads of his life and says, are you ready? Are you ready to go to the next level? Are you ready to get out of the clawing and the hooing and the high and the wrestling for it and receive the inheritance that's due you? And it's funny, I think, that, that the next day he forgets that and he goes and he sends his, his daughter or his, his sons and daughters up ahead and then his wives and all these camels and these gifts to his brother Esau. But when, really, all of that belongs to Esau really belongs to Jacob because Jacob's the one that's blessed and the one that received the inheritance do him and so he forgets that and then his brother Esau is so kind and so amazing and he he restores him and he grabs him and he hugs him and he's like come on bro you don't got to do all this you're a son you you're the one that received the blessing man you did and God changed your name to Israel the blessed one and that's who Israel the Jews are named after who the land of God's people are named after Israel amazing he's changed I think in that moment of wrestling with God from a slave to a son. And God wants to do that with you. Are you ready? Are you willing to wrestle with God? Are you willing to say, God, here's my questions. Here's the, my things that I'm longing for. Here's the things that I'm holding on to that are holding me back. Here's the fear of man that, that I've been struggling with. Here's this insecurity that I've been dealing with. Here's this that, that's holding me back. God, can you take this? Can you handle this? And God is saying, yes, 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 I, you, I want you to be marked. Sons and daughters are marked by God, and, and we know that they're sons and daughters because of who they are, that they love so well. Jesus said, you'll know you're, you're my disciples because of your love. And if we love the Father, and then it shows, and it comes out in us, and our hearts are it's seen in our hearts, and it's seen in who we are. I think Esau, even though he was deceived, even though he was rejected, I think he had a good understanding of sonship when, when he grabs his brother and just holds him and says, no, you're amazing. You are the son, and you have the inheritance, and our Father blessed you, and I've worked through it, and I've forgiven you. I think it, it helped bring healing to Jacob in that time. We forget who we are, and we can't forget that we're made in the image of God. Jacob forgot who he was, and it took him wrestling with God. Will you wrestle with God? Will you surrender? Will you empty your hands to him and say, Lord, my hands are open to receive your gift, who you are. My hands are open. I'm going to give you, I want to get really practical today and just give you 20 steps. Okay? <laughs> no, that's all, just 20 things. I would, so if you have notes, if you're taking notes on your phone, they're going to put them up on the screen five at a time so you can grab them. I know 20 is a lot, you know, it's like so many. We, but it's just so good. I'm going to give you 20 practical ways to check your heart and see if you're walking in sonship. And ladies, okay, you could just got to be ha handled being, like, put into sons. Okay, if we're the bride of Christ, you guys can be in sonship, okay? So we get to be the bride of Christ for eternity. You only have to be in sonship 
daughtership for or sonship for 45 minutes. You know, you can do it. So, number one is the image of God. 20 practical ways to check your heart and see if you're walking as a son or as a slave. Are you walking in freedom or are you walking not? So, number one is the image of God. Do you see yourself as made in the image of God? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And then it goes down to verse 23. In his image, he created them male and female. And it says it twice there to give this parallel that, hey, it's important. We're made in the image of God. We bear God's face. We bear who he is when we walk as sons and daughters of him. And orphans don't understand that. They don't understand that it matters who you are and who you represent. Remember it. Linda Parker used to tell me all the time, my principal in high school, remember who you are and who you represent. Man, and if I'm an image bearer of God, I'm going to live different. I'm going to walk different. I'm not going to cut them off in traffic. I'm not going to double barrel them in traffic. You know, I'm going to be nice to my brother and my sister. I'm going to reconcile, right? Because I bear the image of God. I'm going to take care of my body. I'm going to take care of who I am. Number two, dependency. Orphans are so independent that they can do everything on their own and they don't need anybody else. I don't need anybody else to do anything. Jacob could do it all on his own. He could get his wife on his own and work seven years and work his butt off to do it. But Isaac, if you remember back, Isaac was meditating in the field and waiting as a son for his father to bring his wife. Look at that difference. Sons wait for their inheritance and they know that it's good to be interdependent and that we others rely on you and you rely on others and you walk together and step. And you can go further and farther together. Orphans say, I can do it alone. I can run really fast and they get burnt out. Number three, theology. Orphans think that they have to earn God's love, and they love the law, and they're like, yes, the law, it's good, it keeps me in line. But sons understand that salvation's a gift, and that truth is so important, and the truth is that God loves you so, so much, and that there's grace when we fall, but the Father's right there to pick us back up and to walk alongside of us so we can go further and farther, and the truth is that God's love is so important, and if we're abiding in the love of God, then we're going to walk in good theology, right? We're going to walk in who the Father is, and we're going to be loved to the people around us. Number four is security. The orphan is afraid uh, that they're, that they're going to be messed up, that something bad is going to happen. They're always terrible looking for it. Sons are secure in who they are. They're not worried about being mugged in the alley. They're not worried about, you know, whatever. They, they know who their father is, that he's there with them, and he'll protect them in every season and everything. Number five, the need for approval. Orphans need your constant affirmation and approval, and they need you to always say, yes, you're doing a great job, you're doing great, you're doing great, but it goes right in here and right out there, you know, out one, in one ear and out the other. But sons know that they're approved by the Father. They're accepted in the Father, so they can't be rejected. And I was telling somebody this weekend, man, that's, that's so good, that's such a good line, but that's so hard to live because people rejecting you, it's like, oh, it's going to happen. And you know it will, but you're already approved and accepted in the arms of the Father. And so you don't have to worry about that. It's hard to live it, but it's so good whenever you do. And it's so freeing whenever you do. Number six, your, the motive for service. Orphans serve out of a need for approval. They serve out of wanting to be accepted. They serve out of wanting to be loved. They serve out of, you know, because I have to. Sons serve because they get to. Sons serve because it's their pleasure to and their opportunity to. It's their inheritance. I don't know if you know this or not, but in the Jewish culture, sons would stay in their father's, or in their, they would internship 
be, have an internship with their father until they were 30. And then at 30 years old, their father would give them their own company uh, under, like, the same type of company, their own area, own house, and everything like that. So Jesus, when he starts his ministry at 30, that's, that's why, because it was time, and his father released him to do it. Super cool. Uh, number seven, their motive behind Christian disciplines. Orphans are with a, sp- a spirit of slavery or orphan spirit. You pray and you read your Bible and you fast because you have to and you feel like, if I don't do that, I'm not close to God. Oh, I missed my Bible reading today. God's not going to like me. God's not going to give me favor today at the wherever because I didn't read my Bible this morning. No, that's not true. God is madly in love with you. And he's got favor for you, even if you miss your Bible reading. All right? Sons do it out of love. They say, I love my father so much that I want to be disciplined. I want to pray. I want to read. I want to fast because I love the Lord and because he's good and he loves me and I love him. Number eight, their motive for purity. Sons are faithful because their father's faithful and they've seen it. Orphans, their motive for purity is just because, you know, I have to. Otherwise, I'm going to die. Otherwise, I'm going to get, people are not going to like me, people are whatever. Sons say, no, I'm so loved. I want to be pure because I love my father. Holiness is easy when you're in love. Holiness is so easy when you're in love and you want to walk and please the father. It's so easy and it's so good. Number nine, your self-image. Orphans are constantly comparing each other, constantly comparing themselves to other people. They got that FOMO bad, that fear of missing out. They got that, like, oh, man, they're better than me. They went on a better vacation than I did. Woe is me, you know. Like, come on. And they're always comparing themselves to somebody else. But sons say, you know what? I'm made in the image of God. God loves me so much. Hallelujah. Oh, that's awesome that they got a raise. Come on, that's great that they, that they got to do that. Wow, look at God. Look at God moving in their life. So good. Number 10, the source of comfort. Orphans, because of their ind- independence and everything else, they receive comfort from themselves. Sons receive comfort from the father. I'll never forget my, I had a good friend, and he, he was struggling with, the, with this sonship and slavery for a while, and he started smoking weed to get, to get comfortable and to get comfort. And he, every time he smoked the weed, he felt good, and he felt like he was at peace. And one day, the Lord spoke to him and said, hey, why are you smoking that? Why are you doing that? And he's like, well, uh, 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 because it makes me feel good, because I, I get peace. And God's like, wait, wait, wait. I thought I was the Prince of Peace. I thought I was your peace. I thought I was your comfort. I thought I sent the Holy Spirit to be your great comforter and to, to fill you with that. So the Father, just if you're open to him, he'll speak to you about these things and release you into it. Source of comfort. And number 11, peer relationships. Orphans, peer relationships are shallow, and they don't uh, like a lot of peer relationships because they're going to try and take what's mine. They're going to try and get get to what's mine. They're only doing it because they, ha- uh, they want me for what I have. Where sons go, man, have you met my father? He's amazing. Have you, have you been, been, have you met the father? Like, let's be friends. Like, let's connect. Let's go deep. Oh, that's awesome that you're doing that. That's great that you're doing that. That's incredible. Let me pray for you. Let me encourage you in that. They're peers. Number 12, handling faults. Orphans are afraid of taking responsibility for their own faults and their own actions because they don't have a covering. They don't have the father. They don't realize that the father is standing over them like a a mother hen stands over the chicks and is covering them even when they're pecking at each other or whatever. Sons understand that, hey, I I am responsible for that. I did that. And you know what? I'm going to make it right. 
I'm going to take responsibility for it, and I'm going to make it right because I have a good father who loves me and is standing behind me every step of the way. I love, if, if you haven't read it, Spiritual Slavery to Spiritual Sonship by Jack Frost is incredible. Get it. It's a great book. And in the story, he talks about how um, one time he was, he was a fisherman, and he was learning to be a captain, and he turned something on in the engine room, and then, or he revved the engine, and then they turned on the engine, and he ran right into the dock, and the dock just, like, got all crumbled and messed up. And the captain, who was, like, a father to him, was like, oh, my goodness, like, who did this? Who messed this up? And it was only them two on the boat. He knows. And Jack's like, oh, I did it. I did it. And he just laughed, and he said, you'll never do that again, will you? And they just laughed, off, laughed it off and laughed about it because he's a good father. And even when we mess up, even when we mess up, God's there, and he's ready to say, we won't do that again, will we? We're going to learn from it, and we're going to walk better from here on out. Number 13, the view of authority. All these kind of just go so well together. Orphans are suspicious of authority because they've been hurt by it so much. Orphans are afraid to submit because they're afraid that they're going to get hurt again, that if they open their heart again to love that, that or to being corrected or whatever, that they're going to be rejected, that they're going to be downcast, that they're going to be overlooked one more time. And sons, sons are not afraid of authority. Sons willfully submit to authority out of love because they know that God's placed it there, that God's put the rulers and authorities in place, and he's leading and guiding them. And no matter if they make silly decisions or not, we honor them. And they know the difference between an honor and submission and, and just rebellion. Number 14, the view of ad, uh, admonition or correction. Orphans feel rejected and sons realize it's for their good. Orphans, when they get corrected, are rejected, afraid because they don't take responsibility, remember. And sons realize that it's for their good and that correction is good for them. And yeah, they might get their feathers ruffled the wrong way for a second, but they'll straighten them back out and say, you know what, no, that's for my good. I'm going to walk in that. And I think about Proverbs 12.1. He who hates correction is stupid. Solomon said it, not me. Number 15, uh, expressions of love. Orphans are afraid to show unconditional love. The condi- they always have conditions on their love. I'll love you if you love me. I'll do this if you do, you know, whatever. I'll give you this if you, because I know you're going to give me something back. But sons give out of an unconditional love that they get from their father. And sons love so well because they, they say, you know what, my father's got so much love. There's so much more to give. And if, even if you never give it dime back, even if you never give it back, I'm still going to love you. Number 16, a sense of God's presence. Orphans are often looking for where is God's presence at. They feel disconnected from God, far off from God. And they go, man, where is he at? But sons know that their father's there, that he's near, that God is near, and God's presence is just a whisper away, that he's always with us, that he's for us. Number 17, conditions. Orphans are in bondage. They're afraid. They walk in insecurity and bondage to fear, the fear of man. Um, Another thing, sons live in the condition of liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, there's liberty. And I know that I've struggled with that in my life of, man, God, where is that liberty at? Where is that freedom at? And I think sometimes we have to realize that freedom looks like freedom looks like a fence. It looks like having a good border around that you can walk in and be free in that until you're mature enough to go to for that to expand and for that to get bigger. That the borders that the fences are for our good and not for not for our harm. They're not to keep us trapped in and in a box, but for us to grow and mature into what God's placed inside of us. Number 18 positions. Orphans live as servants or slaves without a home. Nothing satisfies them. Nothing's permanent in their hearts and lives, or they feel like that. They feel like they always have to 
you know, I better be careful because I probably won't keep this, you know, job forever or whatever. But sons say, you know what? My father's placed me in this position for such a time as this, and I'm going to do my best because I love my father. And they walk in that. Number 19 is vision. Orphans strive to be seen and heard, and sons are being content, being loved by their father, and allowing their father to promote them and put them in the right, in where they need to be. And lastly, number 20, the future. Orphans fight for everything they can get and are uncertain about their future. Sons are secure in who they are and who their father is and know that he holds their future. Son is willing to wait for their inheritance. The orphan is struggles and strives for his inheritance right away. And does exactly what Jacob did and, and runs and like cowers and deceives and tries to like do it all on their own. But all the while, if he would have just sat and been a son and been a son and relaxed, the Lord was pouring out blessing on him and favor on him. And all he had to do was walk in that and receive that. Your children are waiting for you to wrestle with God. They're waiting for you to wrestle with God and to get a hold of the sonship so that way you can be the fathers and mothers that he's called you to be. Because unless you understand what it is to be a son loved by your father, then how can you be a father and a mother to those that are your sons and daughters or that are your spiritual sons and daughters? Your kids are waiting. Your family's waiting. The world is waiting for you to wrestle with God, to get an encounter with him, and to be transformed from that moment of encounter with him. What does it take to move from being a slave to being a son? What does it take for you to say, okay, man, <laughs> at, least, at least 10 of these. I've, I'm on the slavery side on at least 10, or I'm on the slavery side on one or two. Okay, good, get that one or two. Or maybe it's all 20. What does it take to get to cross over the border, to cross the other side from slavery to sonship? It takes an encounter with God, and it takes you saying, Lord, here I am. I want to encounter you. I want to know your love. Show me your love. It takes you allowing God to take the nail and pierce your heart with his love and with that sonship, daughtership, revelation. And then your heart of stone will just break open, and the love of the Father will be able to pour out and be poured out clean and free. That's what it takes. Takes wrestling with God and encountering Him. Isaiah eight eighteen says, "Listen carefully. I and the children the Lord has given me are signs and wonders that will occur in Israel from the the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. You and your children are a sign and a wonder to the world. You are, and the world's waiting for you to be a son and a daughter, to walk with Him, and to stick with Him." Isaiah two twenty two says, "Stop regarding man." whose breath of life is in his nostrils for so little time, for why should he be esteemed? I want the Lord to break off the fear of man today and release the fear of the Lord because that's what it takes to be a son. It takes the fear of the Lord to say, man, God is so good. I honor him. I revere him. And it doesn't matter what man does to me. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side. So my question today is, will you wrestle with God? If you would, just stand all over the room with me. We're just going to pray, and we're just going to ask God to move. And I, I, feel like, I feel like there needs to be a response for some, and I feel like it's going to look different. I feel like if you want to come up to the altar and kneel, you can do that. I want you to make an altar, though, wherever you're at, and to say, God, displace the orphan spirit in my heart. Release the spirit of sonship. Help me walk as a son, as a daughter of you. Paxton's going to come up and play, no longer slaves.
And as he does that, I want you just to pray and just ask God to encounter you. If you want us to pray for you, man, I'll be coming. I want to come around and pray for you. If you want prayer, come up here. Come up here to the altar, and we're going to pray for you and believe God and agree with you. So, Jesus, right now, Lord, I pray that and I thank, praise you and I thank you that you're working in every heart. Lord, that you're speaking to every heart right now, God, that you're releasing sons and daughters this morning. Lord, that you're awakening our hearts, God, to, to you, God, to your goodness and to your grace. God, you're awakening us, God, to the things of God, to the, what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives, God. And I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to us, God, about, uh, about these things, God, Lord, these heart check. Um, speak to us about the 20 things, Lord. What, are, what do we need to work on today? What do I need to work on this week? What do I need to get right with you? What do I need to cross the line with and wrestle with you about to get free and walk in freedom? Lord, I pray that you just speak to every heart right now, Lord. Lord, in this Paxton praise, God, I pray that we would just respond to your goodness. We'd respond to who you are. In Jesus' name. Take a couple minutes to respond. We're going to pray for you. Come up to the altar. I'll pray for you. Make an altar where you're at. Encounter Jesus. Lord, we release encounters with you right now. God, we just pray for dreams and visions in Jesus' mighty name to take place. Lord, we just pray for uh, just a love encounter with you today, Jesus. Lord, encounter with your presence, Lord. Fill us with your presence like never before. Oh, Lord, send fire on the altar. the Holy Spirit say this say Holy Spirit what areas of my heart do you need to work on God I want to I want to walk in sonship I want to walk in the fullness of the inheritance hallelujah 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 let the Holy Spirit speak those things to you shed light on these areas. This is a time, there's there's some messages that need a response, and this is one of those times. This is a message that needs response. The Holy Spirit, we ask Him to do it. He's speaking to us today about walking in that fullness, walking in that inheritance.
ears. Now open our eyes to see. Open our eyes to see those areas that you want to work on. These altars are open. You know, I grew up with altars. These altars are always open. They're open to you right now. If you want to find a place right where you're at, we're going to do one more thing before we leave today. But right now, we want to we want to just focus on this. Focus on what the Holy Spirit is saying to every individual. supernatural understanding of sonship. We just release the revelation of sonship. Lord, we just release the revelation of sonship. God, take it from our head to our heart. God, we just pray that it would just be released right now in Jesus' mighty name. We pray that you come and displace the orphan spirit. God, come and knock it out of its place, Lord, and put put us on the rightful place where we belong, seated with you in the heavenly places, God. Lord, I pray for a revelation, God, on the book of Ephesians, Lord, to flow in Jesus' mighty name. God, revelation to, to flow on your word, God, that, that we are the sons and daughters of God, and the world is waiting for us to, to become alive, to be who we're created to be. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for revelation Isaiah 8.18, that I and the children the Lord have given me are signs and wonders to the nations. We're signs and wonders to the nations. Lord, we thank you for revelation on inheritance, that, that we have an inheritance with our good, good Father who loves us, and he sees us. He sees us. He sees us, and he hears us, and he wants us to, to know him more, and he wants the people around us to know him. Lord, we just pray for a relationship with you just to go to the next level. Lord, that you take people to the next level, Lord, that you begin to just release dreams and visions in Jesus' name. Release sonship. God, release sonship. Displace the orphan spirit with the spirit of sonship. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Lord, we just pray for revelation on John 14, 15, and 16 that you sent the Holy Spirit, if we abide in you, God, and you sent the Holy Spirit to to cover our loneliness, God, to take out our loneliness and to fill it with you and with your love and with your goodness, Lord. 
They were not alone in this world, but you're with us, God. You're with us, and you've overcome the world, so we can rejoice in that. Lord, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Reveal yourself. Sometimes we need somebody to step in and help us. That's why we have prayer time. That's why we offer that. But sometimes there's some things that go a little deeper. And I th- I just think the Holy Spirit is the same for some people in here. It is, this is not a matter of age. This is a matter of where you're at in your relationship with God. And there's some of you that need to go a little deeper into this. And I want to commend our own Pastor Joe. Because God has given him an incredible gift to pray with people, to lead people. Not, none of us on staff are professional counselors in that sense. If you need a professional counsel, we'll, we'll start it and then we'll send you to someplace. But one thing that I know that we will do is we will pray and we will seek God and we will intercede. Some of you have received some of that in this room and you know what God did in that office. It wasn't, maybe it wasn't at an altar, but sometimes it's at an office. And how God went to some of those deep places, uprooted those things, and you were free. Some of you in this room can testify of that if we gave you time. And so I just want to commend to you, Pastor Joe. He's not just here for young people and for teenagers. Hello? Just like the Holy Spirit, there's no junior Holy Spirit, junior high Holy Spirit, and senior high. No, it's the Holy Spirit. And he will move through Pastor Joe. And so I want to commend him to you that if you want to set up a time with him to come in and be ministered by that and set up a time before church one night or after, whatever, he will do that. Amen? Now, there's one more thing I would like to do before we go. Um, I'm going to be getting on a jet plane on Wednesday, and I'll be back next Wednesday. But uh, I'm going to be going to Dubai and then on to the Republic of Georgia. So I want, it's weird to ask for prayer sometimes for things like this, but I want to stand here as representative, just like Joe said, as a son. I know who I represent. And one of the representatives I am is of you. So I want some people to come, and I'm going to ask Joe to lead this prayer, but I want some people to come lay hands on me. And uh, my wife, come on, Joni's not going with me. I wish she was. But, uh, but I'm going to be ministering at a prayer conference, something I've never done in this type of situation. Been on many missions trips all around the world, but never in this type of situation. So I'm asking specifically, the Lord's given me some words to share, and there will be about, as far as I know, there's going to be about six or seven Americans there. Everyone else is from all around the world. So I want God to just speak His word through me. And I want to be a representative of him and of this church as I go into these places. And I know Joni would appreciate you praying for my safety. I think that would be nice, too, because she wants me to come back. All right? So would some of you just come up and lay hands on me and then Joe? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We praise you, Lord. We give you the glory, Lord, the honor, Lord, all the praise, God. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do in advance. Lord, we thank you for, for that fire fall on the altar in Jesus' mighty name. God, we just call forth the fires of heaven to to fall in Jesus' name in that room for the winds of heaven to blow. God, for the Spirit of God to be poured out afresh and anew. Lord, there at this conference, God, move in Pastor Ricky. God, speak through him. God, let him be your mouthpiece and your oracle. God, I pray that you would just release fresh revelation, God, on your word through him, Lord, as he goes, God, to these ministers from all around the world. God, I pray that you would just use him, God, that you would just give him a reminder of who he is in you, God. Thank you for what you've placed on his life. Thank you for the mantles and the anointings you placed on his life. God, thank you that he's going to be able to pass them out, Lord, to people that are there, God, and they're just going to walk away refreshed and renewed, God, with a fresh understanding of who they are in Christ Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you for revival just to break out there. God, and revival to be sent around the world because of what's going to happen at these meetings, Lord. We thank you, God, for your presence, Lord, just so thick there. God, your manifest presence just to fall in that place, God, and the glory of the Lord to be revealed in Jesus' mighty name. We praise you, God, and we thank you for souls. We call forth the harvest from the nations. Souls, come, come, come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Lord, we call forth souls to be saved in Jesus' mighty name through this, God, strongholds to be torn down. God, we pray that we just demolish every stronghold in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you for it. Protect him, keep him safe. God, plead the blood of Jesus over him and, and Brother Jean, Lord, and everyone else that's traveling, Lord, through there. Protect him in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, I asked Pastor Nathan to, to do one more thing while you guys are here. I want all the kids, us to pray for all the kids. Uh, for release of sonship on this. I want your parents to give it to kids. And if you don't have kids, come up and support some of these parents and pray for some of these kids to just receive who they are and to walk in who they are from a young age. Because can, can you imagine if this generation, this next generation got a hold of the glory and the presence of God from where they're at now and they ran with it their whole life? So school's about to start and we're going to have a back to school Sunday. We'll do that soon. But for now, I want to pray just a release on them and pray for these parents. So a couple of people that don't have kids, come and surround these guys. And then if you do have kids, we're going to just pray that the Lord will give you grace and wisdom and speak to you. Come on, let's do it. Would you just stretch out your hands, come and lay hands on them. Father, we just come before you right now, and we thank you and praise you, Lord, for these children. God, we thank you in the name of Jesus that these are spiritual sons and daughters of the Most High. God, we release that sonship right now, God. God, that no longer orphans in Jesus' name, but God, daughters of God, sons of God, kids of the kingdom in Jesus' name. We just release it right now in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are doing exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask, think, or imagine, God, in these kids, that these kids are going to be change agents in their generation, that they shall rise up, that they shall rise up and see the kingdom of God released in their schools, released in their neighborhoods, released in their generation in the name of Jesus. God, we say to that orphan spirit, no more in Jesus' name. You cannot torment these kids any longer. They will walk. They will walk in the kingdom. They will walk in the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you and praise you, Lord. God, that as they walk in the kingdom, signs, wonders, and miracles. Come on. Call out prophecies in Jesus' name. All the gifts of the Spirit would be in operation that they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit from a young age. In the name of Jesus, 
God, that they would stand up and say, Pastor, I've got a prophecy at the age of six and seven in the name of Jesus. God, that the kingdom of God would move when these kids go out in Jesus' name. God, we thank you and praise you for that. We praise you for that, God. God, we thank you in the name of Jesus. God, as some of these kids go back into school, Lord, even now we pray, God, that you would just move mountains for them in Jesus' name. God, we thank you and praise you for it. We thank you, thank you, thank you. And everybody that agrees with that said, amen, amen, and amen. Amen. God is so good. You know, don't you just love God and love how he moves through each generation? Every generation. I love these kids. Kids, you guys are going to do mighty things for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. God bless you. It has been a great day today. And uh, let me let you know that next Sunday, everybody say next Sunday. Next Sunday, we are leaving you in very capable hands. But uh, some of you have heard from Pastor Chuck and Joni's dad, but you've never heard from her brother, uh, Steve. He's an evangelist. And he's going to be ministering the gospel. And I'm going to tell you something. Let me just put this plug in here. If you know somebody who's sick, tell them, do not stay home from church. Come with me. Steve is, has been used powerfully over the last 10 or 15 years in healing. And, and I'm, I'm not telling him what to preach or anything, but just it just happens. Everywhere he goes, people are healed. This is I'm not making this up. Steve is a powerful, anointed pastor and minister. He's been in ministry for many years, but healing just seems to be there. And so if you know of someone that's sick, I want you to get them here next Sunday. Next Sunday. And then the Sunday after that, I'll be back. And I've said this a couple of times, I'm saying one more time. The best gift that you can give me for my 50th birthday is to be here that Sunday. Because I believe God is going to do something. Just I don't know why. This has been months on my heart. I've been saying, Lord, the best gift I, I want, I want people to be in church that Sunday. It'll be the last Sunday of August. And I'm believing for God to move in a powerful way that Sunday. Amen. So you be praying with me, joining with me, and let's see what God will do. Amen. God, I thank you for this people. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the ministry that is happening here and is happening in the nations, God. We bless each and every one as we go forth, God, that we would go forth in the power, the might of Jesus, in the blessing of the Holy Spirit as sons and daughters of the Most High God. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. You are released to the world. Amen. Oh, by the way, guest, (laughs) if you didn't receive one of these, make sure you get one of these on the way out. God bless you.